Hello and welcome to a Welcome Rarity Podcast. I am Cindy Lynn, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm very disappointed right now because I got through about half of recording, halfway through recording my podcast, and I didn't save any of it, and now I have to redo it all here. But here we are, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Sometimes mistakes happen, we learn, we grow, and you know, you just gotta keep on keeping on. So though I'm disappointed, I am allowed to make mistakes, I'm allowed to mess up, and I'm allowed to feel sad about those things, which is how I feel right now. Um, but I wanna keep doing I'm gonna, you know, try my best to recount what I already said and hopefully tell the story even better than the last time. Um, Just a little disappointed, but you know, we all get that way sometimes. So today I wanted to talk about an incident, a racist incident that happened to me this past weekend at a grocery store. I had gone to the grocery store with my boyfriend and we split up. He was going to go buy groceries and I was really hungry, so I decided to buy some food and sit in the sit and eat in the food court of the grocery store. Felt very safe sitting in the food court because the grocery store had done a very good job of making sure all the tables were separated quite well. Um, I was not sitting near anyone and also the food court was quite empty at this time, so I felt pretty secure in the distance I had from other patrons. So I was just doing my own thing, eating a slice of pizza, and then an older white gentleman approached my table, and he struck a conversation with me. He started by asking where I was from. Seeing the confusion and worry on my face, he clarified, like, oh, like, what state are you from? because we were at a grocery store that I guess sits on the border of a couple states so people from all different states come to this one grocery store and I told him what state I was from and he swiftly with wonderful smooth transition asked so can I ask you what's your opinion on what's going on in China right now and I pause and I'm confused and I'm in shock I don't answer right away, so he quickly uh, clarifies, he quickly clarifies, oh, you know, like, the things going on with Hong Kong, and then he just goes on to express his opinions on Hong Kong. Meanwhile, I am still frozen, just staring, confused, nodding along with what he's saying because he just continues speaking. It's not a conversation, it's a monologue, really, of him recounting experiences he's had with Asians and Asian Americans. He asked me where I had gone to school and what my major was. I told him I was in marketing and he took this opportunity to say, oh, I was in sales. We were based in China. They'll roughen you up those Chinese. And then he proceeded to talk about how, oh, you know, there's not that many people, there, you don't really see many Asians in marketing. They're usually in tech or engineering, not a lot of Asians in marketing. 
he shared another story about how an Asian woman had approached him and asked him if he would marry her. And he explained this by saying, quote, you know, green card, unquote. And I didn't, I, at some point in this very long three-minute encounter with this man, stopped listening. I stopped listening and I started frantically texting my friends, anyone, to call me so I could have an excuse to leave this conversation. Again, not really a conversation, more of a monologue with this man just talking at me and I was just a soundboard on which to absorb all of his desires to talk about Asians and Asian Americans. And I didn't even mention the worst part, which was that he was not properly wearing his mask. He had taken it down and put it over his chin and was, as he was speaking, slowly inching closer and closer, I guess, as you would in a conversation that you were actually engaged in. And I think because I was so frozen and caught off guard by this unwanted interaction, I didn't know if I could say, sir, can you please put on your mask? Or sir, if you can, if you want to talk to me, please move back. Because I've seen these Twitter videos of people in grocery stores where patrons are being asked to wear masks either by fellow patrons or people who work at grocery stores um, and their reaction is to throw a tantrum, to yell and curse at the people asking can you please wear a mask or you need to wear a mask, throwing food just in retaliation to what I consider to be an act of human decency. Um, so I think because of these videos, I felt like, oh, what if I did say that and he reacted very aggressively, defensively. So there was fear that I could not speak up and ask him to put on a mask for my own safety and my own comfort. Eventually he left. Again, the encounter wasn't very long, but it felt very long. He left, and I bolted out of that food court. I was like, I'm done with being in public today. I'm done. I'm good. Don't want that to ever happen again. I'm leaving. Um, so I went into the grocery store to find my boyfriend and tell him everything that had happened. And um, during the when I finally reunited with my boyfriend, my friend has called me, um, to ask me if everything was okay because I had gotten my messages and I started to recount everything to my friends. My friends are um, to give context to them because I feel like who they are and who they are to me is important contextually to understand how they support me and how they have helped form how I view myself as an Asian American woman. Um, so it's a couple, it's actually Andy, the wonderful friend who lent me this microphone, and his wife Tina. Andy is Asian American and Tina is Montenegrin. She has immigrated to America after their marriage. We stan, couple goals, long distance goals. <laughs> um, so um, Andy and Tina, to give more context, have 
really opened my eyes to how Asian Americans are treated differently than white people in America. I see it a lot through the stories they tell me about their relationship and how they'll go out and people treat Andy differently because he is Asian American and they treat Tina differently because she is white. They assume Tina can't use chopsticks if they go to an Asian restaurant and they assume that Tina is the main English speaker in the relationship if they go to well actually any type of restaurant yeah any type of restaurant they assume Tina is like the American one and when it's the opposite Tina is the one who's not American and Andy is the one who's American but people treat Tina as more American than Andy because she is white and I think before really building my relationship with Andy and Tina I never thought of this I just thought well I, I, I didn't think actually I never thought about it. I never thought about how Asian Americans people of color in America are sometimes or often or always treated as other I'll use quote other because they are not white and often when we say American what we really mean is white and that's not good that's not right because I am just as Amer as much American as anyone else and I don't think it was until I started having these honest conversations with Tina and Andy that I realized that I was a person who low-key equated whiteness with Americanness and then I started to recognize how people treat me differently because I am Asian American and not white <laughs> in the workplace and, and such. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the context for my relationship with this lovely couple that I'm fortunate to call my friends. So they were the first to call me and I recounted everything to them. And Andy is very good at comebacks, flipping the script, whereas I'm someone who freezes and I get very anxious and worried and confused, but he can just say it. And he offered that I should have asked, or I could have asked, why are you asking me this? Because then it puts the ball back into that man's court and he would have to reflect with himself and be like, why am I asking this random Asian girl at a grocery store food court what she thinks of China? Why am I telling this random Asian American girl about other Asian Americans that I have experienced in my life? Why am I doing this? And I'd be willing to bet. Well, it's not, it's not a bet. The reason is, and maybe he wouldn't like this answer, it's just because I'm Asian. Because I was alone. I probably looked non-confrontational. I was vulnerable. He could just approach me and throw words at me and throw a t topic at me that surrounded my Asianness. Start a conversation about my Asianness without explicitly saying that. And these questions that Andy provided me Did you ask, sir, why are you asking me this question? Or, oh, so what's your opinion on Europe right now? These things that my friend offered me as a response to this man. It reminded me 
of how I am treated differently because I'm Asian. I don't think this man would have gone to a random black American or white American or Latinx American in the food court and asked them, hey, can I ask you, what's your opinion on China right now? I don't think he would. Why would he? But at the same time, why would you ask an Asian American that? Because my Asianness is a conversation starter? Clearly my Asianness was a conversation starter to him. I went on to share this story with other friends and family members and my therapist and it took me a bit but I now realize and recognize this instance to be an instance of racism. I didn't want to call it that because it wasn't explicit, it wasn't outright, it wasn't him calling me slurs or telling me to go back to my country, but it was subtle. And a lot of racism is subtle. I don't I'm coming to realize from my own experiences, but I mean, yes, racism is the KKK, Confederate flags, denying people their civil rights and their justices. But it's also these subtle things where you just treat people in day-to-day life differently because they look different, because they don't look like you, because they're not white, maybe. But this was an act of racism. Again, not overt. I don't think the man meant harm, but this is on the subtle side of racism. And I want that to be clear to myself and people who are listening that this was, you know, it's an act of racism. This man was racist in his actions. Does that mean he's a terrible person? No, it just means, well, it means what it means. It's just he was racist in that moment. And I think that's important to recognize that racism is not always explicit and outright and ugliness straight in your face. Sometimes it's this weird feeling and confusion and like, I feel weird in this instance. I don't know why. And then taking a step back and looking back at it and being, oh, this felt weird because I was being treated differently because of the color of my skin or my facial features or whatever it is. Racism can be that. Um, And I just wanted to also have the takeaway of this story be that if you find yourself in a situation where someone approaches you and makes you feel physically uncomfortable, in this case, I felt physically in danger of contracting disease because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Let's not forget this. But he entered my space without a mask on and I was so shaken that I didn't think I could say, that I didn't think I could speak up. And I want to allow someone that, I want to allow someone that option. If someone comes up to you, you have the right to express your discomfort. You have the right, you have the right to ask that person to put on a mask because that is your safety. That is your comfort, and you need to protect that. I think in a moment of utter disbelief, I forgot that, and I wanted to share this story to remind others. Well, first, to talk about racism and the intricacies of it, 
and Asian-ness, I guess. But I also wanted to remind people that you have the right to protect yourself and to speak up for yourself. That is your right and no one else's, I'll say. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the post office. I've been debating whether I want to do this or not because though it has been a pop popular topic on Twitter and Instagram, I feel like talking about it inherently is rather boring and dry. But I have a unique perspective on it as I do actually work in direct mail marketing. So I have more exposure than my peers to the United States Postal Service. And I guess I wanted to shed some light on some things because I feel like Twitter threads can be very emotional and misleading because you are limited to 240 characters and not everyone reads the whole thread. So I guess I wanted to take my experiences and do some explaining about the post office. So if that interests you, keep on listening. If not, totally understand and hopefully you'll come back next time. Um, so as we dive into the post office section of the podcast, I just want to give a disclaimer that I've only worked in mail or direct mail marketing for about a year and a half now. My responsibilities at work are actually more on a digital and social media marketing aspect and some and I do help out in the digital print department so it's for it's where I do like digital design for digital print I don't really work directly with um, the people who know all the ins and outs of mail laws and regulations I have a, a good amount of exposure where I feel like I can speak on it a little bit or shed some light to some of my peers who want to know a little bit more have a little more context or just have a little more background before you start just going off and saying hashtag save USPS and just buying 10 bajillion stamps. Do that if you want to. Send more letters. Send me a letter. Anyways, so I guess first off I wanted to say thank you to all the young people who are interested in mail and care about the post office. I think I've went through a really hard transition going from college working into direct mail marketing because a lot of my peers were doing cool tech jobs and I was working in mail. <laughs> I work at a small company fairly close to home and working in mail and I feel like a lot of people my age think mail is obsolete, it's stupid, it's a waste of resources, but when you don't know the ins and outs of the industry. I can see where you're coming from. But to see these peers, not the same peers per se, but to see people my age now caring about the Postal Service and caring about mail, it kind of warms my heart because people actually care about what I'm doing. Not necessarily that they care about me as a direct mail marketing person, but that they care about the industry and they care about mail and keeping that service present and available for everyone. So jumping into some background about the Postal Service. This I actually had to do research for because my job did not explain to me how the post office began, but the post office actually 
started with the birth of America, and Benjamin Franklin was the first postmaster general. And for those who don't know, the postmaster general is kind of like the head, or I guess you could see them as the CEO of the Postal Service. I don't think that's an exact metaphor, but they're like the head honcho. Um, they're like the top person. And it wasn't actually until 1971 that what was the Postal Service and USPS came together under the USPS umbrella and became what we know today. Um, today, the Postmaster General is appointed by the Board of Governors and the previous Postmaster General. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because the, we actually just, I believe, June 15th of this year brought in a new Postmaster General. And this is important for a reason I'll explain later. But I just wanted to also shed light on the previous Postmaster General because her name is Megan Brannon. She is the first female Postmaster General in the U.S. Postal Service's history. And she actually started as a mail carrier and worked up in the ranks and became the Postmaster General. Um, she declared her retirement late last year and they began the process of looking for the next Postmaster General. And the new Postmaster General is now is now Louis DeJoy. He, by certain cr political critics, have, has been dubbed a Trump ally. And to give context, the Board of Governors is appointed by the president. Um, so four of the appointed Board of Governors for the USPS were appointed by President Trump. I just say that to give context to the fact that the USPS is already was already in a place of turmoil and now we're coming up with new leadership that is heavily influenced by this current administration. Not particularly surprising, but context, right? So why does this matter? <laughs> Great question, Cindy. Why are you 24 sitting in your closet talking about the post office? Great question. So I'm hearing a lot of they are defunding the post office or the post office is going bankrupt. And I kind of find that a little confusing because of how the post office functions financially. So just to clear things up, this was a surprise to me too when I started working in mail, but USPS does not get any government funding, no tax dollars, period, period. So when people are saying they are defunding the USPS, that's kind of a confusing thing for me. Maybe I'm not reading into it correctly, but no one is funding the USPS because USPS runs purely on postage. So when you buy stamps, when you pay shipping on your online shopping, these are all things that fund USPS. But USPS does not get government funding and taxpayer dollars, period. Okay. So in the past couple of years, I'm sure this is no surprise to anyone that mail marketing has been on the decline. Everything is digital now. Everyone uses email. Like I said before, people don't really think of mail as cool or fun or relevant. Like, why am I still getting pieces of paper when I could get it all on my computer, right? And I think that's fair. So no surprise, mail marketing is going down. So USPS's profits yearly is obviously going down. The saving grace really has been the increase, like great increase of e-commerce. 
e-commerce is kind of helping to balance out the loss from mail marketing. But USPS is still losing for the past few years. One of the biggest reasons for this is actually because I think a couple administrations ago, the government mandated that the USPS has to prepay pensions. Many people don't acknowledge this, but USPS is actually a great organization for people living in poverty or people of color who are disenfranchised. The USPS has actually served as a great organization for people to get a good paying quality government job and get great benefits. But the point of this mandate for prepaid pensions is weird and unheard of with other any other government entities. The USPS is the only government entity that can be mandated legislatively by the government but does not get any government funding. So you can kind of see where it's confusing and weird and like debatably unfair. So because of this, some people, how do I say this? So I don't want to take from the fact that when people are saying USPS is going bankrupt, they are, like I'm not denying that they've been in the red and when I say losing for the past couple of years, like they have not been making, turning profit for the past couple of years. Some critics go as far as to claim that if the USPS did not have to prepay pensions, they would actually be turning a profit. I don't know this to be true, but these are like different arguments on both sides. So why should we care about the USPS? We have UPS, FedEx, Amazon is basically starting their own shipping thing too, just because they're so big. Amazon's another topic for another time though. Um, but honestly, if you are a person who partakes in e-commerce or shipping of any sorts, you should care about what's going on with the United States Postal Service. Because a lot of these big shipping companies like FedEx and UPS use, and Amazon, use the USPS for the final miles. I think it's called like the final mile on a delivery. And it's because it's more economical to outsource the last mile of a delivery to USPS than it is for, let's say, DHL to go to a rural area of America and deliver the package. Or just a place that doesn't have a lot of addresses where it economically doesn't make sense to go in that direction or into that neighborhood or into that town or something. So this is where you might hear these like arguments about Amazon and USPS and what such like that. Um, but it really does go to show that this is a service founded on the fact that we want to provide an affordable service for everyone with a postal address in America. I can send a letter from New Jersey to rural Alaska, all for a 55 cent stamp. No other shipping company can do that because they don't want to. But USPS does that and they do it without government funding. They do it because you buy postage stamps and you pay shipping, companies pay shipping. But yeah, without USPS completing that final mile of shipments, Shipping will go way up if we only have FedEx, UPS, Amazon, because these big private shipment entities rely on USPS for a lot of those things. So you actually will, I think I've read articles about how like 
CEO of UPS or the people in charge of Amazon are um, lobbying for bailouts for USPS and such. And it's because their skin is in the game. And honestly, as consumers, if you partake in online retail, your skin is in the game too. So that's USPS and why you should care. Regarding how you what you can do to help, I don't really have those resources. I myself have been staying in the know. I personally have to do this for work because I'm in social media and I want to share. I have to share articles about industry on our social media. But I I look up articles about USPS every once in a while. I just Google USPS news. I've contacted my local representatives, sent emails and such, just to let them know that I care and I prioritize the Postal Service um, and I care about the people who are affected by it, not just the consumer but the workers. So make your voice heard, get educated, buy some stamps, write your friend a letter, it's actually really nice. Um, I could talk about the value of mail in another podcast if this even gets that much attention. but. That's it for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed me talking about my racist experience at a grocery store and me rambling not well about some facts about the post office. Again, I'm not 100% clear on everything post office related. I just have a unique lens because I'm in a parallel industry to mail. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna get out of my closet now because it's really hot. This is my outro song. Oh, I was made for this.